Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, I'm sure you've heard at some time in your life the expression born again. It's a Bible term, first introduced by the Lord Jesus Christ himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It's important that we know exactly what Christ meant by being born again, for one simple reason. Without it, we can never enter heaven. You see, only born-again ones will be there. So what does it mean to be born again? In today's broadcast, speaker Frank Sona takes up the topic of being born again in four different ways, each using the term greatest. Number one, it creates the greatest scorn among unbelievers. Many people openly scoff at the idea, even religious people. What a sad condition that is. Number two, it's the event of greatest significance in a believer's life, a time when they will forever look back to with gratitude and praise. Number three, it involves the greatest simplicity. God's terms are very simple. Believe and live. And finally, number four, it gives the greatest security. Yes, the Bible teaches that a born-again child of God can never lose salvation. Let's listen as Mr. Sona first reads some Bible passages and then goes on to explain for us the wonderful truth of being born again. Just one verse, 1 Peter 1 and verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed. In other words, the source of the new birth is not through something that will decay or be damaged or defiled. It says, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the new birth is linked with the word of God here. John chapter 3. Now before we read this account, I just want you to notice just two verses at the end of chapter 2 and how that ends. Verse 24. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He knew all men and he knew what was in man. Chapter 3, verse 1, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In other words, 
There's a natural birth and there's a spiritual birth. And the fact that what we read there earlier about the water and the spirit show us that the water would be linked with the word of God because 1 Peter 1 tells us being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So you have those two things linked with the new birth here. And the Lord Jesus differentiates between a natural or physical birth and a spiritual birth. And then he says in verse 7, the crux of the whole matter is, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must, ye must be born again. And I think the thrust of that really is this. Nicodemus, don't be so shocked. Not that I said this, but that I said this to you. Because Nicodemus was a very upright, very moral, very outstanding man, a pillar of the community. I mean, when people wanted to look to people to emulate, it was Nicodemus. And yet the Lord Jesus, no doubt, shocked him by saying, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So I would like to begin this meeting by asking you that tonight. Are you born again? Has there been a moment in your life when you've trusted the Lord Jesus as your Savior? When the reality of your sins became a point of conviction in that soul of yours? When you were awakened that you needed a Savior? You see, if you don't have something to be saved from, then you don't need a Savior. That's why the Lord Jesus is called the Savior. He saves people. You see, the new birth is something that we need, all of us, because all of us are devoid of spiritual life. And that's what the Lord Jesus is saying to this man, Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh. You've got that life, but that life will never fit you for that place. In fact, that life hardly fits us for this place. And so he says, you must be born again. Now, it's interesting. I just want to speak on four things in this text, the new birth. I want you to notice there's, first of all, the greatest scorn when it comes to the truth of the new birth. The greatest scorn. You ask people if they're born again, they will automatically get on the defensive and they will tell you, well, I, I am a, and you fill in the blank, or I go to such and such a church, or they will tell you, well, I don't believe that. And they'll look, generally speaking, at someone who speaks about the new birth as a fanatic or someone who's over the edge. You remember that the Lord Jesus said this. It wasn't some Christian going around with a handful of tracts and asking people, would you come to our meetings? It wasn't someone who was wearing a sandwich sign going down the street telling people, ringing a bell about doomsday. This was one who never sinned, who never lied, who came from heaven, who had the credentials to back up what he said, what he did. The one who, you remember that at times, he even challenged his enemies. And he said, if you've got something against me, he says, well, then say it. And we read, he couldn't say a thing. He says, go ahead. He says, there. He says, there are rocks right at your feet. Pick them up. If you want to throw them. And they couldn't. In fact, so much so that even at the time of his trial, they had to summon false witnesses against him. So you will understand that this passage tells us about one who has absolute authority to make these statements. You'll notice, too, that he didn't say, we must be born again. He said, you, ye must be born again. He never included himself in that. He was without sin. So the words of the Lord Jesus have absolute authority. So what have you done with that authority? Is there someone in this meeting? Whether Now listen, this is a truth that's a blanket truth. 
Whether you've heard it hundreds of times, whether this is the first time you're hearing it, whether you say, I know all that, okay, are you born again? Because the Lord Jesus says, you must be born again. Not only is it a commandment that must be obeyed in the sense of a person must go in for God's salvation, but it's a condition that's absolutely necessary if you're going to enter heaven. You can't enter heaven without the new birth. There was a man today who started talking to us, and I just told him about what we're doing, having gospel meetings here. He told me what he was, a certain particular group. I just said to him, I said, uh, the Lord Jesus says about a kingdom. Do you want to be part of that kingdom? Oh, absolutely. Are you born again? Well, no. That's only for a certain people. You know what the Lord Jesus says here? Except a man, and that's the word for mankind. Except a man or a woman or a boy or girl is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And yet there are people tonight that are looking with scorn and disdain on what the Lord Jesus said. They ridicule it. They reduce it. They say, listen, you live the best you can. Do the best sincerity. My friend, you could be as sincere as the day is long. You could devote your life to charity and innumerable philanthropic causes. If you are not born again, you will not be in heaven. You say, that's very narrow thinking. No, that's very authoritative statements from the Word of God. It's God's heaven. And God says, you must be born again. But can I turn this around just for one moment? It's not a negative thing. I don't want you to think that there's a long, bony finger pointing out of the pages saying, you must be born again. You know what the Lord Jesus is doing? He's letting earth in on the greatest secret. He's saying, I don't want to keep this from you. I came here not only to tell you about it, but to do something about it, to give it to you. He says, you must be born again. What would it have been if the Lord Jesus had been here? Can you imagine? 33 some odd years? Done his miracles, fed the multitudes, gave sight to the blind, raised the dead, done all these things, and never ever once opened his mouth and said to people that they had to be born again. He had kept it quiet, done his work, and gone back to heaven. Never said a word about this, but went about telling everybody, you're a wonderful man. Oh, you're a great person. Oh, thank you. Dear mother, you care about those children? Would that have been truthful? Why did he say this? Is it negative? No, it's absolutely positive. Because we need to be born again. We must be born again if we're ever going to get in heaven. Because the way we are in our sins has disqualified us. We can't get to heaven on our own. No more than you could get to the moon by jumping up in the air. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. You need to be saved, born again. It's a great truth. And yet the world looks at it with scorn. You know why? Because the thinking of men is warped by sin. The rationale, the logic has been twisted of individuals because of our sin. And what God says is true, we want to naturally deny. Friend, you've got a Bible. What do you think of it? Dear woman, you've got the Word of God. Maybe you've got more than one Bible in your home. And if you were to open it up, as we have done tonight, to John chapter 3, and you've seen it's not John, it's not Paul, it's not Peter, but it's the Lord Jesus. And He is telling you right to your face, as it were, you must be born again. How do you look at that tonight? You're going to dismiss it? You're going to ignore it? You're going to put it off? You're going to say, well... If I can get through this next 60 minutes, I'll be okay. No, you won't be okay. Because once the meeting's over, you will still need to be born again. It's looked at with scorn. I want to tell you something. There's the greatest significance about this truth. The greatest significance. In the last 10 years, 
I don't know what significant changes have come into your life. Some have gone through momentous changes. Some have gone through marriage. Some have seen the birth of a child. Some have graduated from university. Some have landed that big job. Tremendous events in life. But I want to tell you something. The greatest significance in a life is when a person is born again. Are you born again? Are you in your sins tonight? Are you saved or are you lost? I could go back just as a young boy, September 25th, 1968, when I saw for the first time in my life that I was a lost sinner. Couldn't get to heaven and wouldn't get to heaven. You say, well, what if you joined a church? No, it wouldn't do it. That's not here. Well, what if you were baptized? No, that wouldn't do it either. What if you did the best you could every day of your life? Does everybody ever do the best they can? And even if you could, that still is not what God requires. Because the Bible makes it clear in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there I was, in my sins, not able to get to heaven. And I am so glad for another verse in this very chapter, in chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Like the woman that, when the gospel preacher was going up and down the street, he was knocking on doors, inviting people out to gospel meetings that they were having. And he was kind of discouraged. And he knocked on the one door, and the woman opened the door, and she looked at him, and she said, uh, Yes, can I help you? He said, we're having gospel meetings. I'd like to invite you out. She says, gospel meeting. He said, yeah, we're telling people what the Lord Jesus said, that you need to be born again. And she looked at him. She said, born again. And he said, yes, are, are you born again? What would you say if we asked you that at the door? She said, born again. Me? She said, what do you think I am? Some heathen? And slammed the door right on the man's face. Man walked down, quite dejected. Got to the end of the laneway and just said a little prayer for her. Well, I tell you, that bothered that woman. You know what that's called? Conviction. You ever experienced it? When you have something like a barb, a needle, and it works into your soul and heart because it's by the Spirit of God. You know what some people do? They try to, they try to run away from it like a Jonah. Hope you don't do that. That's God speaking to you. Well, there she was, getting ready for her husband to come home, making the dinner, almost scraping the Teflon off the pot, you know, as she's working away, and her husband comes home, and he says, well, dear, how was your day? She says, oh, my day? How was my day? She says, let me tell you, there was a man that came to the door today. you believe it? He asked me if I was born again. So he says, oh, yeah, and he's reading the paper, and he says, uh, well, he says, honey, did you tell him about when you when you led the woman's choir there, you know? She says, he says you could have told him, told him that. She says, dear, he didn't ask me if I had led the woman's choir. He asked me if I was born again, quoted from the Bible. So he said, well, dear, did you tell him when you, when you had that Sunday school class? She said, he didn't ask me that. He asked me if I was born again. Then she said, well, dear, did you tell him when you gave all that money that year to the charity? She says, you are not listening. He didn't ask me that. He asked me if I was born again. And he said, well, are you? So you know what she did, like everybody else? She says, well, what about you? Turned it around. Didn't want to face the issue. You know what happened eventually? Those two people, so convicted of the truth of what the Lord Jesus himself said, that they came to the conclusion, we are not born again. And if we are not born again, therefore we are not in the kingdom of God. We will not see heaven. The greatest significance. So what about you? As you sit there tonight, we are glad to see you. And we have a deep concern. You know what? We're not having these meetings and the Christians who meet in the gospel hall here are not having these meetings because of what they can get out of it. 
we care for your soul. But more than that, there's a God in heaven who doesn't want to veil truth, keep it from you, but wants to let you know that you are in a desperate position and condition. And if you were to meet God in your sins, without the new birth, he would have no alternative but to send you away forever into hell and a lake of fire. It's a real place. Everything that heaven is, hell is just the opposite of. Heaven is a prepared place. The Lord Jesus, before he went back to heaven, he told his own. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. What must it be like? But he says this, if you're ever going to be in that prepared place, it's only for a prepared people. And the prophet Amos said, prepare to meet thy God. Are you prepared? How do you prepare? You go on a journey. How do you prepare? You make sure you've got what's needed. Listen, anybody that's going to Florida doesn't bring a parka. And anybody that's going to heaven doesn't bring religion, doesn't bring good works. They make sure that they've got the new birth, the greatest significance. It's not only that, the greatest simplicity. You know why it's so simple? Because God does it. Anything we do becomes so cumbered, so complex. We change this. We alter that. We fudge around things, don't we? We look at a drawing. We don't like it. We erase something. We color in this, color in that. There are people that would look at the Mona Lisa and they would make different marks on it because we are never satisfied. Why? Because of what we are. It's what we've done. The world in which we live. Here is something. It's so simple. People stumble over it. There are people that look all their lifetime for peace and they long for it. And you know what? They know deep down in their own hearts that they don't have it. There are people tonight that will literally look at the preacher and lie right to his face. And you know what's worse than that? They'll lie right to God. They'll try to coast through life and they'll surround themselves with things and people and friends and they'll do the party scene and they'll do the entertainment and they'll do this and that. Why? In one tremendous effort to be happy, only at the end of a life, to be staring up at maybe the ceiling of a hospital room and know that they've blown it. And they go out into eternity without God, without Christ. The only thing that they've got now, no money, no friends, and they've slipped out into eternity in their sins. Is that going to be you? Is that going to be you? The Lord Jesus met this man face to face, and he said, Nicodemus, with all your religion, with all your effort, with all your energy that you've poured into your life, and your system, he says, it doesn't fit you for heaven. Won't get you one foot closer. You must be born again. It's sudden. It's one of the greatest things that happens suddenly in a life. I want to be very clear on this because salvation is not a process. It is not something you grow into. We've talked to people and they say, well, I'm getting closer. You know, I, I'm understanding more and more of this. And, you know, as much as you've spoken to me, and as often as I've picked up my Bible, you know, the fog is lifting. I'm seeing the light. I'm feeling the warmth. And on and on, people can make these expressions. And they think, I'll grow into it. That is not salvation. You're either saved tonight or you're lost. It happens in a moment of time. That chart behind me depicts the truth of going through a door. Now, I haven't seen anyone go through a door inch by inch by inch like that. You come through, you go in the door. Birth happens in a moment of time. Yes, there are things that lead up to it. Yes, there are things that God uses to bring about the reality into a, the understanding of a person that I need to be saved and that this is serious and it's real and it requires and demands the priority of my life. 
and all other things be swept aside, and this is the one thing that matters. But that's not salvation. Salvation occurs in a moment of time when an individual simply trusts Christ as their Savior, acknowledges Him to be right and them to be wrong, and takes their place as lost under the foot of the cross. That's salvation. That He and He alone is the one that can deliver you from your sins. No human effort, no human energy, no religion. Listen, when the Lord Jesus died at Calvary, He made one tremendous statement that pierced the heavens. Something that the devil, no doubt, and religion itself would have tried to stop their ears at. He said, it is finished. And there is not one single thing that remains for a sinner to do other than trust Him. And when an individual... You know, I mentioned I was eight years old when I got saved. I didn't understand it. God doesn't ask you to understand it. I never could understand it. To this day, I marvel at it. But you know what happened? The night that I trusted Christ, He gave me new life. I was born again. It happens in a moment of time. So it's not a process. It's not a partnership either. I'll just say that. It's not something you do your part, God will do His part, and we work together on the same ground. It's not like signing uh, some kind of a, a, a contract. There are people tonight that they get in bad straits in life. And they make promises to God. You ever hear that? Oh God, get me out of this jam and I'll devote the rest of my life to you. And ask them if they're saved. And you know what they'll tell you? Oh, I, I tell you. I, I, I got it then. I can remember this. I, and I promised God I'd do this. I do. That's not salvation. If you're dependent on that friend, you're lost. Because it's something you could do. Salvation is just what it sounds like. It's being saved. It's being rescued. It's being delivered. It's God giving you something that you could never get on your own life. And if you don't have it, you'll never be in heaven. The last thing, it's the greatest security. Just say this. The greatest security that an individual could ever have. To know I am part of God's family. How did that happen? I was born into it. When I trusted Christ, He made me a child of God. And I'll never ever cease being that. Never lose it. It's eternal life. It's the greatest thing that an individual could have. Do you have it? It's what matters most more than anything. You know, there's a man, I never knew him. And what's interesting about the contrast of this man that I never knew is that he was so close to the man that I knew very well. And I'll tell you where they both were. They were in opposite rooms in a funeral home. I just crept in that room just for a few moments just to look and listen. I took one of the memorials and I went out of the room. Same group of dates, born such and such a date, died such and such a date. In between the line that said born and died, there was a line that said, born again, and it gave the date. And you know, that makes all the difference. doesn't matter how much you have, doesn't matter what you've done, where you've gone. And the end of life, and you've gone out into eternity, you know what's all that's going to matter? Where are you born again? So, are you born again? Was there a time in your life when you personally received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? It's not optional, my friend. As Christ himself said, you must be born again. Won't you listen to the Savior's words and trust him today, even now? The new spiritual life that you receive at the moment you put your faith and trust in him will be yours to treasure both now and for all eternity. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. 
Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.